Hello, base camp. We are in week seven. We have our world sort of falling down around our ears at this point in time. With this coronavirus and all of the attendant social distancing, self-quarantining, perhaps soon required quarantining. It's a crazy world. And uh, I just want you to know I recorded a special episode um, for the Ethos group on ways that we're going to adjust their programming um, for the training, their, their training programming for this season because so many of their races were canceled. But in it, I talk about um, psychological mindset and perhaps philosophical slash spiritual reactions to this kind of uncertainty and to the fear that comes up in the process. So I posted that on your guys's page so you could listen to it. Again, it's not specific to you, but I think that many of the basic issues um, are pertinent. And since you guys are a part of our tribe, we um, wanted you to know what's going on in that group. So I'm going to leave that uh, post there for posterity, at least my plan is at least oh, for sure through this cycle, but um, depending upon what happens, it's uh, just a document of a time and a place and the space that we're in right now that I want to honor and give space for. So, um, so there's no need for you guys to adjust our our programming because ours is not based on any um, specific race goal. So you can just continue training as you feel comfortable and as you're capable of it. Um, I understand that some of you will have to do more stuff on treadmills, perhaps, and that's just fine. Just remember to set your treadmill to, to uh, you know, like somewhere between one point one and between one and two percent of a grade for the treadmill, because that's exactly where that's the kind of specific position you want to have it when you push off. If you have the ability to set yours specifically, it's one point six percent grade. Um, perfectly simulates from a scientific perspective, at least what they're telling us. Science is telling us about. Research is telling us about where, how much effort you have to use to push off the ground. So that's for that. Um, but feel free to do that if you need to. Um, but keep running. It's only a matter of time when I think we're going to be limited to the amount of time that we can be outside or the ways that we can be outside. I know that may sound crazy to you, but we have two members of our group of Ethos that are living in Zurich right now. And they're talking about mandatory... Um, mandatorily not being on the streets at all. So I don't know how that would play out in our country, but I do know that it's a very real concern. And so I would suggest to you that um, you're doing most of your running solo likely. That is a safe thing to do. It's absolutely safe. So just keep doing your running and keep your running as consistent as possible because the future is uncertain and we don't know how much running you're going to be able to do outside. So I suggest if you've got the opportunity to do so, please do so. Um, Anyway, this is, uh, you know, that again, I, th- I say that that's drastic, but, you know, in, in Zurich, they, uh, you know, they handled their situation really quickly. Um, I think the U.S. is going to be a lot more similar to Italy because um, our federal government did not respond as quickly as it should have to telling us the severity of this situation. So I'll just leave it there. Um so anyway, hopefully, uh, you know, anyway, it's 
crazy times, crazy times. So I am doing a Zoom conference call for my ethos group on this Wednesday. That's Wednesday the 18th at 6 at, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So that's um, 8 p.m. So 8 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Central time, 6 p.m. Mountain time, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Um, all the information about that call is on the worksheet for the um, special episode, which has been posted on the Basecamp page. So take a look at that. If you want to join us, you're more than free to. Um, we won't be talking specifically about your situations, but there's probably questions that I will answer that could be valuable and useful to you. And if nothing else, it gives you a flavor of what our group is like and the people that are in it. I don't know how many people will have on that call, um, but I'm assuming it'll be somewhere around 50 or so. It could be more. I'm not sure exactly. Um, and uh, But feel free to join us. Uh, all the ways to link and the place to link and how to download Zoom on your computer are very easy to follow. It's extremely simple. And um, hopefully you, if you feel like it, you can join us. Feel free to. All right. So um, moving into the weekly training. So this week's quality workout is a broken threshold. So we're doing broken threshold for either 1K or 800 meter reps. So why the difference? Because probably some of you don't even know what in the world a K is or what 1,000 meters is. For those folks who have been training for a long and consistent process, 1Ks are a pretty standard distance, um, probably because so much of the training that we have in the U.S. It comes from international athletes and they use non-metric systems. And so we just happen to be using Ks a lot and they happen, they, they fit in this nice spot between 800 meters and a mile. And, um, they're easy and convenient to use, but they're probably not for a group of people who are not consistently, um, haven't done consistent extensive run training, that Ks can seem a little weird. So 1K is only 200 meters or a half a lap longer on track than a 800 meter is. So if you feel like 800s are just easier for you to manage and handle, then please do so. A 1K on a track is two and a half laps. Um, 800 on a track obviously is two laps. So just adjust accordingly. I've got the reps to be adjusted. So it's four to five times a K. Um, and a K is another term for 1000 meters or it's six times 800. And you'll want to take 90 seconds walking rest between each rep. It's important that you walk and you don't stand stock still. Keep moving around, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. It's really important, but you don't need to be running if you don't feel like it. 90 seconds is extremely short rest. It'll feel pretty quick. But um, that's what this workout is designed for. It's designed to be sure that you stay at a pace that's comfortable and easy, an effort that's comfortable and easy enough, comfortably hard, as, as we'll talk about in just a second, to allow you to um, continue to do reps. Um, usually you should finish this session feeling like you could have done more reps than you did, but you don't need to go harder and you don't need to go faster and you don't need to do more. Just hold it where it is. That's what the beauty of this workout is. So... This session is a way to get better acquainted with a concept of tempo runs or threshold runs or steady runs. And I know it can be a bit confusing to use different terms for what amounts to, for many of you will think what amounts to basically an identical pace, but there are subtle differences between each of these moderately challenging runs. And the reason that there's differences is mostly in semantics. It's the way we use the word, words, threshold, um, sort of talks about a specific um, 
physiological change that happens at a certain pace that you go from an aerobic pace into accumulate you stay in aerobic pace but you start moving a little faster and you get to the point where you begin to get more lactic as fuel that you cannot utilize and so it it builds up in the um in the bloodstream and then it makes it harder to run it's a pretty simple description of it it's a much more complicated physiological process but that's basically what happens is you start running fast enough to create that the lactate that's used as fuel begins to accumulate because you cannot get it out of the working muscles fast enough and so it starts to affect performance um that is the pace generally for most people sitting somewhere around half marathon pace but it is my view that there's a much bigger continuum that these benefits of these threshold runs, um, tempo runs, steady runs, um, are all a wide variety of paces, anywhere from your 10K pace all the way to your marathon goal pace. If you were looking at a pace chart, which for many people is in the vicinity of 20, 30 seconds per mile, maybe even more in some cases. And so I don't want anybody to think that if they're running, let's say they're running eight minutes and 30 second pace, on some threshold runs and nine minute pace on other threshold runs that they're not getting a benefit. They are, you're getting a huge benefit all the way along that spectrum. Science has just um, been utilizing these basic tools and these basic methods. And it's my view that these tools and methods have um, led them to, uh, to, they've led them to getting results that are dependent on the treadmill and the pacing and all the other things that go on. And I think that the human body doesn't race or train on treadmills typically, well, certain, and certainly not with a physical apparatus in your mouth design, determining how much ventilatory uh, use you're using, what your, what, your heart, what your heart rate is doing, what your, um, what your breathing rate is doing, and how much accumulation of lactic is happening in that zone. This is all um, what happens in tests and labs, and they're very important and essential. That's how the scientific method works. But I think the human body is a lot more variable, has a lot more places where it gets benefits, and so therefore I use a wider range. Tempo refers basically to half marathon pace. Um, threshold refers primarily to the point at which you start to accumulate that lactic acid and have a hard time and it begins to not be able to be shunted off. You won't feel that exactly. That's not something that your body feels. You don't just immediately go into to lock up or rigor mortis, you, you really, you, you, it takes a long time for it to accumulate at those paces. Um, usually you won't feel it for two, three, four miles. Um, but, uh, it is, it is there. It's a byproduct. And so that's sort of the technical term for where that threshold goes over. That's the term threshold. And then finally, um, steady, which is what we did for our run a couple of weeks ago, which is basically comfortably hard. Um, so hopefully, I don't know if you guys timed yourself on that steady run in terms of what your pace per mile was, but if you did determine your pace per mile for that session, then you would want to start these repetitions at about that pace. If you don't, if you didn't time it, if you didn't use pace per mile, that's totally fine. Um, what you want to do is you want to start this workout at about the same effort that you found for that 20 minute run. And I don't mean, hopefully you got that done um, well and that you got a good feel for it. Maybe you went a little too fast, but now you can adjust it. So you want to do these repetitions at about the same effort that you did that. That would probably mean you'll be a little bit faster. Those who are using pace, we're going to ask you to get a little faster as you go along. Those of you that are using effort, um, you, you'll, because you won't be able to track that pace, you'll just be using it as how your body feels and you might need to get your effort to come down a little bit as you go along um, in order to, you get your pace will come down a little long, a little bit um, 
excuse me, your effort will go up to hold the same pace. So if I do think this is a workout where people want to begin to paying attention of their paces. So even if you're not um, tracking them exclusively and not running by pace, you want to begin to think about your efforts. A lot more on this in just a second when I talk about this as our fundamental. Um, so that's the session. Um, and I've got some more information on it in the written worksheet that you can read. Um, moving on to the speed economy. So the speed economy session this week, I'm bringing the hills back in just a little bit. So I want you to find a shorter hill, maybe 50 to 100 meters long, and use it for this session. Um, and you want it to have a flat road or a track adjacent to it so that you can immediately or pretty quickly get to a place from doing some hill reps to getting onto a flat section where you can do some, some builds, okay? So the hill can be a little steeper than the hill series or the hill rep, but it doesn't have to be. What we're working on here is strong, beautiful running mechanics as we run up the hill. Because we want to keep this rep short, 50, 60, 70, maybe up to 100 meters at the most, okay? So you want to build, you want to make sure that you got your hill allows you to get to the top of it. So you've got a little chance to crust over the top, come up over the top of the crest of the hill um, if you can. But you're not worried about what pace you run. Your effort will get a little bit higher, but you're really not worried about trying to run fast up the hill. You're trying to focus on getting beautiful mechanics, staying tall, pushing off the ground, driving your knees up and your elbows back, keeping your face, your neck, and your shoulders relaxed while you run with beautiful mechanics up to the top of the hill. Then turn around, walk back down. We'll do two of those. Once you finish those two, take about five minutes rest and recovery, whether you have to walk to your track or run to your track, run easily to your track, or um, just stand there if you're utilizing an adjacent um, flat section that's really close to where you are. And then you're going to do full, two by 400 meter builds. We've talked about builds already in this program, but this is a longer build. You're going for 400 meters. And what I want you to do is to break it in your mind up into four sections. Okay. It's a continuous run of 400 meters, but you're getting faster each 100-meter section. If you're using your watch, um, your Garmin, you can um, plug that in, and then it just can give you a beep. Um, otherwise, you can just get an idea, basically, that if you're going to run, um, let's say, a two-minute 400-meter that each um, 30 seconds, you would get a little faster and a little faster and a little faster. So basically, what you want to do is start off your first 100 meters um, at a comfortably hard pace, and then you want to accelerate into the second 100 meters, accelerate again into the third, and by the final 400 meters, you should be running really fast and relaxed, opened up, but still keeping, um, we're not all out. You want to still keep a tick below all out, but each 100 meters is getting faster and faster and faster and faster, and then you take a full 400 meter easy jog um, to get fully recovered from that fast effort, okay? That is our... Um, hills and builds. All right. So the long run. So I loved hearing from the few of you that talked about your clothes this past weekend. And I'm telling you that this is an aspect of the program that you're not going to find in any other program. Um, it's unique here, but I think it's critical to getting a feeling for what real training is all about. So many people come into their long runs and they have negative experiences of them. And in my opinion, it's because they are always running at the same basic pace and that they don't ever change the neuromuscular recruitment patterns. So they have a tendency to start feeling really, really, really tight. And um, they think that that's because they are not ready to handle the distance. And that's true. There is a little bit of new, new extension of distance can make you feel bad. But here it is. I've been running for 44 years, doing long runs of 12, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 24 miles frequently. And 
you know, just last week I did 14 miles, which is a lot shorter than I normally do. And I was stiff at the end, but that's because I ran it all at one set pace. And when you're running at one set pace, the neuromuscular recruitment patterns stay in the same range. And so your body fatigues, it gets tired. So it's nice to have these progression runs, these closes that you're able to do at the end of a long run to help change gears and help you feel better. So it was good to hear that some of you did that and, and enjoyed it. So if you feel like at any point in time you want to add a close to your long run, you have the permission to do so. Feel free to do it. Um, these have been built into certain weeks, but you can always do a close at the end of your long run anytime that you want to. That's always available to you. So we have another long run mileage bump this week. I hope that things are starting to move pretty smoothly for all of you. You should be starting to see some pretty significant gains in fitness or at least starting to feel like these runs um, during the week that you're doing. Easy runs are more manageable because of your medium long run and your long run. Um, and hopefully you're starting to feel like you're a little quicker and a little faster from your speed economy and that these long runs have made you stronger and stronger. We are at that point in the program coming in to week as week seven will soon be three quarters of the way, two thirds of the way through the program. And you guys should really begin to start seeing the fruits of your labors and the hard work that you've done. All right, on to our fundamental for the week. So effort versus paces. Almost every program that you'll ever find in a training for a marathon, for a half marathon, for a 5K or a 10K wants you to focus on paces. And why is that? Because they're easy to get the data from. They're easy to figure out how to find improvement, what paces to go at, and they're easy, like I said, they're easy to implement. It makes it simpler for people to be able to know what to do, and most of us, um, we're not really very well acquainted with our bodies. We don't have a good ability to pay attention to our body, like I talked about last week, and we certainly don't have an idea of how to find the appropriate pace frequently. And I think that is a lot of the reason for that is because people are forced into paying attention to pace more more quickly than they should. Certainly, with the advent of Garmin's Geekometers, as I called them, any um, timing device that's satellite-based GPS device, is going to be giving you an in-the-moment descript in description of the pace per mile that you're running, or at least each mile it'll tell you um, and bleep and let you know exactly how you ran that first mile. And what's happening there when it tells you that information is it's allowing you to bypass your sensory system, your, um, your ability to pay attention, and it's just giving you this number based externally on where you're at based on that satellite data. It's very useful when you're trying to run certain paces, but it is not good for you when you're just running easy. It's better for you to begin to get an idea of what your effort is and how it's modulated and adjusted and what that pace turns out to be after the fact. So I am very pro Garmin Geekometers. I love them. I think they're fantastic because they help you hone in on your efforts. But what I suggest that you do is that you utilize them Time your runs, but don't look at them. Get an idea during that run what you think your effort was. I think my effort was at 85%, or I think that effort was around 8-minute or 9-minute or 10-minute mile per mile pace. Use your paying attention, your intuition, your feel for what's going out on the road to give you an idea about what you think you're doing. And then when you finish your run and you download your data, you can look at it and see, ah, well, I was a little off there or I was just right on and begin to start getting another data point for those efforts we talked about and to begin to start to getting pace to be determined by feel and effort. If you can get accustomed to and very good at knowing what your effort means 
in pace per mile, you are so much freer throughout your workouts. You don't have to be a slave to the watch. You can be more attuned to what's going on with your body. This creates significantly less stress over the long haul in terms of your ability to manage and balance what's going on from an effort perspective. And it allows you to understand when you see that a time that you're running is maybe 30 seconds to 40 seconds per mile slower, and yet the effort is the same effort that you would have expected at a faster pace, then maybe something's going on with your body and something you need to pay attention to. When you're not paying attention to that date, when you're paying only attention to the data and not running it through the filtering it through the experience of being in your body in real time, you have a tendency to not pay attention and then to miss key critical signs that can be useful to your long-term running. I cannot state emphatically enough how important this aspect is to being an effective runner. I would say that 80 to 85% of the athletes that I work with on a consistent basis are not good at understanding their efforts and they're overly focused on their paces. Why does this matter? It matters because all they can do is utilize one data point to determine whether or not they're successful or not. Sure, maybe it helps them get a race, get be ready to handle their goal time, to get ready for their goal time at their goal race, right? But now they're a slave to the watch and they have no idea how that feels. So really, they're almost using it as a crutch and an inability to, and using it in a way to not have to pay attention to their bodies. Now, I think that it just doesn't make any sense to not have both those two tools at our disposal. The tool of, of data that allows you to find out where you're at and what's going on and to be able to utilize that. Again, I'm not against that data. I'm just against using data alone. And then the information based on what your body's signaling, what your body's telling you the paying attention that we talked about last week. Understanding where your effort is in terms of a guesstimate in a pace per mile can be an absolute game changer, especially when you do this over the next year to year and a half to two years. Those of you who take seriously my suggestion that you utilize efforts as well as paces in your training, I promise you, you will be a much better runner, a much happier runner, and a much more effective runner because you've been able to dial in and understand where your efforts are. It'll also make you a happier runner because you're utilizing what's going on and signaling in your body. You're recognizing this as a movement practice and not just an aspect of running a pace per mile to get done what needs to get done. It doesn't need to be, it's not just for fitness or it's not just for physical fitness. It's for fitness in our whole bodies, minds, and souls. I cannot be emphatic enough or try to tell you in more stronger words how important I think that learning to run by effort is. So I hope you'll listen. I hope you'll consider it. And I hope that, yes, you'll continue to utilize those pace per miles and those data to help us determine where we're at. We want to pay attention to that. But it also needs to be run through the filter of what's happening in real time with your body, okay? That's the most important metric. That's the most important thing that we're trying to determine in any given day on any given run. I hope you all have a great week. Hope to hear you, hear, see you and hear from you on, on Wednesday the 18th for our Zoom meeting. Um, and Godspeed to each of you.